Oh, good morning. I almost didn't see you sitting there. Well, as you know, I've just come from Italy. That was a marvelous place. <laughs> Can I show you a few of my pictures? Uh, the first of these was taken at one of the truly great wonders of the world. Its size, I tell you, is even more breathtaking when you're there in person than you can imagine it is in the pictures. And it is the symbol of Roman glory, ancient, yes, and even modern. You know what that is. <laughs> and, and then let me, let me show you this one. This is the very first cathedral, the first time we had a cathedral church in all of Christendom. Imagine for more than 1,000 years, this place was the center of all Christendom. And literally hundreds of bishops gathered there to talk about the faith. Oh, yeah. It's called... It, it's, it's called San Giovanni Lateran. Yeah. Oh. And, and then, you know, we went to Florence. And, you know, your whole life you've heard about Florence, right? You know that Florence is the place where the Renaissance began. Scholars say that Florence started the Renaissance and it began in the year 1401. That's the year that Ghiberti responded to a request from the Florentines to design beautiful doors for the baptistry. I tell you, his artwork was revolutionary. His use of 3D figures and bronze and gold, and then the use of perspective actually changed the way that Florentines think, in fact, the whole of Europe thinks about what art is. The doors are amazing. Here's a picture of them. But you know what was best of all? Best of all was seeing David. You know David. Michelangelo's David. It is universally acknowledged to be the finest sculpture in the world, whether ancient or modern. It's simply a masterpiece. Would you like to see a picture of it? Here it is. Okay. You're probably getting the idea. Sometimes in life, it is pretty easy for self to get in the way. You know what the seemingly most popular souvenir that was selling in Rome, you know what it was? It was the selfie stick. <laughs> but really, that's only sort of a silly little example of a dreadful disease. The experts today have given this disease a two-letter abbreviation, M-E, me. And our Western world has devolved to become about me. It's pretty much the center of all we do and all we think, and yes, even all that we believe in. But the cure is abbreviated in a different way. The cure is abbreviated U-S, us. And the great physician who provides that cure spells his name J-E-S-U-S. -S. This morning, Jesus offers us 
an alternative understanding of ourselves for Jesus offers to be the good shepherd. Now let me invite you to take out your Bibles, if you will, and turn back to page 896. 896. And I would like for us to read out loud together this gospel passage, and I'd like for us to begin where we left off at John chapter 10, verse 11. John chapter 10, verse 11. Together, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Continuing at verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Let's ponder this for a minute, shall we? Every selfie we may ever take, every time we look into a mirror, Every time we see our names in print, we are, consciously or unconsciously, asking ourselves, now who am I, really? How do I fit in? What defines my existence? How am I to gauge my worth? Now in this beautiful parable this morning, Jesus offers us an alternative vision by which we may answer those questions. Now, I call it alternative intentionally, because the world around us is desperate to squeeze us into its mold. That world insists on its vision of how things are, and the world's vision could not be more different from the vision that is gently 
offered to us by the Good Shepherd. Now, in the postmodern world, we've done it. We've managed to kill off God, or so we think. We've managed to mock into despair virtue, duty, honor. It is these things that have always given people a sense of identity. But then worse still, we have ruptured the family today. The lives of 65 to 70% of young people today have experienced family breakdown. Yet isn't the family supposed to be the very place where we achieve our greatest experience of belonging? We live in the age of the selfie because there's nothing left but self. There's nothing left but the self to confer upon us worth and value. But here's the rub. When nobody tells itself you matter, somehow deep in the heart, we can still figure out, hey, guess what? I matter to nobody. If this morning you belong to the Good Shepherd, then you matter to somebody. You are so precious in the sight of that shepherd that he has already laid down his life for you. He will go on then to fight for you with all the power of God Almighty to protect you against the wolves that are coming against your door. And when you, thirst, when you thirst, he will offer you drink. When you are hungry, he will supply your needs. When your soul is troubled, he will bring you to a quiet place. The world around us is like a whirling storm, isn't it? It's filled with hatred, violence, and fear. But he says to you, come. My friend, sit at my banquet table. Feast your soul on my delights. Be confident, for I will slay the giants and the kings and the armies, and I will keep you safe. You sit here at this banquet table while I win the victory for you. If you belong to his flock, then you have his whole attention. You are not sheep number one, or sheep number two, or sheep number 3,526. Not to him. He knows your name. He doesn't call, hey you! He says, little lamb, surely? Come to me. Sheep, Robert, I love you. Come here. So I ask you, do you hear his voice this morning?
If you follow the good shepherd, you are never alone. You are surrounded by those also who have been loved by him. In his flock, you have a place of belonging with others. You have a community who share and know and have experienced your experience of God. But here's a wonder. You would think in joining a flock, you'd end up less than what you are. But guess what? Jesus doesn't invite you to join the mooing herd. (laughs) You've been called by name to follow the shepherd along with 10,000 others who understand and glory in your experience. Whose voice do you hear this morning? Well, let me ask this question. To whom are you listening? Whose leadership are you following? Now, according to TV and movies and media, the image of one flock being led and one shepherd leading them, that image is a difficult sell. For some, maybe they think that, well, quietly following after the shepherd, well, frankly, that sounds a little boring. Excitement, activity, edgy danger. Oh, that'll be more fun. Fast and furious sounds better than still waters. But if that's your case this morning, let me remind you. The world around you is the thief and the robber. To them, you are no more than a commodity. To them, you are an item to be used up and then cast aside, you exist for their glory. And when the world is finished with you, it will discard you like last week's newspaper, and you will be very lucky even to be recycled. The vision of the good shepherd may seem less than thrilling at first, But I promise you this, it is the only place that you will ever find deep and lasting satisfaction. Now for some others here this morning, the ideal, (laughs) we always live between realities and ideals in the church, the ideal of one flock in harmony, and one shepherd leading them in unity. Well, that sounds great. But in fact, the reality a lot of times looks more like this. (laughs) I'd like you to think a little further on that. 
You see, some find this parable that Jesus told difficult. And they do so because the scriptures also offer us a different metaphor for the Christian life as well. It's called the metaphor of the body. Now, we are in an evangelical, disciple-making church. That is our goal. Our desire is that we emphasize the body of Christ and we emphasize each individual part here. We want each different and each separate ministry that's represented by everyone in this room to achieve its own fruitfulness. That's why we exist. Our goal at Holy Cross is to help you fulfill your ministry before God. But this morning, Jesus' parable provides a counterbalancing force to that other metaphor. It is a co-relative truth that exists alongside the picture of a many-membered body. You see, this isn't just a clubhouse for spiritual heroes <laughs> where we get together and say, guess what God did with me this week? We are one flock led by one shepherd. And we are following him to a common destination. Now, Jesus' parable runs against our natural grain. It stands against those fears that compel us to define ourselves by what we do, what we achieve, how we are better than others. Yes, even those things, wonderful things, that we do for the sake of the kingdom. There are two voices this morning that are calling out to you. <laughs> One of those voices may be really hard to distinguish from your own. And that voice says to you, be the center of your own world. Go your own way. Have it the way you want it. Maximize self-actualization. Define yourself by excelling others. But there is a still, smaller, quiet voice that's calling to you. And that is the voice of the shepherd. You see, he is calling you by your real name. He sees the danger that you are in even if you don't. And what does he say to you, to us this morning? He says, humble ourselves. Just give up and become my sheep. Come, learn to define yourself by my love. Know that I would have laid down my life for you 
precious little one if he's the only person who has ever existed on this planet. Come, join the flock. Little sheep, humble yourself so that in losing the world, you may gain safety, peace, yes, and even eternity. Amen.